Hello, and welcome to the Selective Mutism Help Home Educational Learning Program podcast. My name is Kelly, and I'll be your host. This podcast aims to give you the help you need to support the person in your life affected by selective mutism. In this episode, I'll be talking about behavior analysis and how a behavior analyst could help someone with selective mutism. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 14 of the Selective Mutism Help Home Educational Learning Program podcast. My name is Kelly, and I'm a parent of a child with selective mutism. Being that I'm a parent and not a medical professional, this podcast is for informational purposes only. As we traveled along our daughter's path of her selective mutism journey, I realized just how few therapists were out there that had an understanding of SM. I had a heavy heart knowing there were so many children suffering in silence because for one reason or another, they weren't getting the support they needed. It was time for me to do what I could do to change that. I began connecting with different professionals to figure out a new career path so I could help those affected by selective mutism. I talked with psychologists, occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, but those professions didn't seem to be able to provide what I was looking for in my schooling and and for my future career. At the Selective Mutism Association's annual conference in 2019, I was fortunate enough to meet a board-certified behavior analyst. This was the first time I had ever heard of this profession, and I was very interested to learn more about it. The part that intrigued me the most at the beginning was that since I already had a four-year undergrad degree, I would only need to go to school for two years instead of the four years of the other professions. I'm not getting any younger, and with already having two degrees, the less schooling needed was something that was important to me. I reached out to a BCBA-D, which is a board-certified behavior analyst doctorate, a BCBA, which is a board-certified behavior analyst, and a BCABA, which is a board-certified assistant behavior analyst, all of which treated those with selective mutism. They helped me get an even better understanding of the different levels of behavior analysis and pointed me in the right direction of a great graduate program. In August of 2020, I started the BCBA graduate degree program at Florida Institute of Technology. I really didn't know anything about behavior analysis, but as I've progressed through my courses, I've learned just how much it could help someone with selective mutism. So what type of treatment do behavior analysis do? I hope you don't lo- I don't lose you when I say this, but the type of treatment is called Applied Behavior Analysis or ABA. Before you roll your eyes and switch off this podcast, please hear me out. There is, unfortunately, a lot of negativity towards ABA within the autism community. And unfortunately, not every person who offers ABA does a great job. They may not be looking at their client as an individual and may only be doing interventions that they've always used. This could create a situation where the client isn't getting the best services. But there is so much to behavior analysis that really can benefit a lot of people. ABA is about understanding antecedents and consequences, what happens before and after behavior occurs. It's about understanding how the environment can change a person's behavior. Let's look at a child with selective mutism and how their environment affects their behavior. When a child is at home with mom and dad, they're able to talk freely. When they talk, they feel fine, don't feel anxious. Now let's change the environment and talk about that same child in school. Suddenly they begin to feel anxious. 
When they feel anxious, their throat begins to tighten, their stomach begins to hurt, they feel ice running through their veins, and they're not able to speak. Since the environment changed, their behavior ended up changing as well. As a behavior analyst, we need to recognize that the environment is changing the child's behavior and then begin modifying the environment to bring them back to their quote-unquote normal behavior they had when they were at home with mom and dad. So how can we do that? We can use techniques such as shaping, which is also used in a psychologist's repertoire. We can use movement techniques, which is used in the occupational therapist's repertoire. Many of the techniques a behavior analyst uses are very similar to other practices. They just may have a different name. The behavior analyst could also do a fading in or sliding in technique. They could ask the teachers to withhold asking certain types of questions, such as open-ended questions. This is a way of changing the environment. The environment is more than the physical things we see. It's what we encounter externally and what we feel internally. A behavior analyst could even help change the child's internal environment by having them practice deep breathing or tension and relaxation exercises. There are so many possibilities of helping a child with selective mutism with behavior analytic techniques. Now, I'm not saying that any behavior analyst can treat a child with selective mutism. For example, I was talking to a parent recently whose child had a BCBA within the school helping them. The only way for that child to communicate at the time was writing. However, because that BCBA didn't have a thorough understanding of selective mutism, he changed the environment by removing the ability for the child to write and was only going to allow him to speak. Yikes, that's pretty much the worst thing that could have been done. So needless to say, that child's not speaking in school yet. But if the BCBA would have had the understanding that the child is able to write in school, they could have gradually faded out writing and faded in speaking. People may also say that ABA is only about motivating a child with pieces of food or toys or time on an iPad. They wouldn't be wrong necessarily, but they also wouldn't be completely right either. This would speak to the consequence part of behavior analysis. If a certain behavior occurs, what happens immediately after it and how does that affect the likelihood of that behavior occurring again in the future? You may have heard the terms positive or negative reinforcement. Many people think that positive means good and negative means bad, but in behavior analysis, it's more of a math term with positive meaning added to and negative meaning removed from. Reinforcement means that the behavior is likely to continue in the future. So if someone is getting positive reinforcement after a behavior, it means something is getting added to their environment, such as a statement of praise or a brave ticket, and the behavior is likely to continue in the future. Negative reinforcement means something is removed from the environment and the behavior will continue in the future. The best example of this would be when I would rescue my daughter when someone asked her a question. So someone asked her a question and she freezes. I see how uncomfortable she is, so I answer for her and the attention is taken away from her. The attention is taken away, so the negative part, and it increases the likelihood that the next time someone asks her a question, she's going to wait because eventually I'll answer. That's the reinforcement part. Now, at the beginning of most therapy sessions, if we're trying to motivate a young child, generally we are going to be rewarding them with things they like to keep them wanting to do the things that are hard. Over time, the amount of rewards usually decreases and the child begins to be motivated by how it makes them feel inside. This is called intrinsic motivation. 
one example of this would be when we started having our daughter communicate at school. If she answered yes or no to a teacher for the first time, she would get two brave tickets. After that, she would get one brave ticket for answering yes or no. She could get she could then cash in those brave tickets for special rewards. So in the behavior analysis world, this is called a token economy. At first, she only needed three brave tickets to get ice cream. Then it was five tickets. And eventually we stopped using ice cream as a motivator because she was able to do the task on her own and didn't need the motivator anymore. So yes, it may seem like ABA, a child is getting reward after reward after reward, but if the analyst is good at what they're doing and understand how the token economy works, they should be altering the stipulations on how the child is rewarded and guiding them towards being intrinsically motivated. I hope, I hope I've given you some new insight as to what behavior analysts do. The most important thing to find out from a professional you're considering using for your child, whether it's a psychologist, an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, or behavior analyst, is to find out what their experience and understanding is of selective mutism. If they don't have any experience or understanding, ask them if they're willing to learn. If you listen to my podcast about occupational therapy, you'll remember that our daughter's OT had never worked with someone with SM, with SM, yet she was willing to learn and she was a huge help for our daughter. I'm excited to announce that I'm now offering family coaching sessions in addition to parent coaching sessions. Family coaching will allow me to not only help you as the parent navigate this journey, but will also be able to use my knowledge about, about behavior analysis to help your child. Part of my requirements to sit for the board exams is to have a certain number of supervised hours. This means that I'll be meeting with a supervisor overseeing the coaching sessions I'm doing to help better prepare me for the day I can officially open up my practice. This could be great for you because not only would you get services from me, but you would have an additional SM specialist to get help from. Think of it as a two-for-one deal. I have all the information on my website, which is www.smhelp.org. Just click on the Family Coaching tab. I'll leave a link in the episode notes as well. As always, if you have any questions for me, send me an email at smhelp2020 at gmail.com or send a message via Facebook, Instagram, and now LinkedIn. Take care.